how powerful a covenant is. If you don't do enough, I don't do enough. Investigation. Searching. Finding out about the significance and the power of covenant. Make no mistake about it. The reason why Lot was spared was because of Abraham. God made a covenant with Abraham. And once Abraham took Lot, Lot became part of that covenant. It shows you the power of covenant. And started thinking about covenant. I started thinking about Jesus. And I started thinking about why he was able to command the wind and the waves and the storm. I was starting to think about why he was able to. They were going to throw him off the cliff. But why they were not able to. You remember what he said to Pontius Pilate? I think it was Pilate. Nobody, nobody takes my life. I give it. You can't take my life. You can't touch me. MC Hammer, remember, he can't touch this. <laughs> Do you know why you couldn't touch him? Because of covenant. You know why he calmed the seas and calmed the storm? Because of covenant. Do you know why there was healing in his wings? Because of covenant. You see, he was under the covenant of law. And he fulfilled every jot and tittle and diddle and exclamation point and comma and whatever there was. In the Big Ten and the 613, he walked in complete covenant. I started thinking about it. A man that walks in covenant. Moses. You know, God didn't part the Red Sea. When you read Exodus, read it, King James Version of the Bible. God is like saying, hey, you know, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Ain't we, don't we got a covenant with each other, brother? Huh? You got a staff in your hand? Signifies our relationship there. You split the waters. You split the sea. He was able to do it because of covenant. Now I knew the power of covenant. I started reading about Joshua and uh, the Gibeonites. You know, here we are in Joshua chapter ten. I don't know if you've ever read that chapter, but here it is. The Gibeonites are in trouble. And because they made a covenant with Joshua, right? Joshua has to come to their aid. Now, when you read chapter 10, it's so interesting because what does God tell Joshua? Don't worry. I'm going to fight for you today. Well, wait a second. Joshua made covenant with Gibeon. But now Yahweh is saying, don't worry. I'm going to fight for you today. And it goes on to say how Yahweh caused confusion amongst, amongst the enemies to, that were fighting Gibeon and Joshua and the nation of, of, of Israel. And then it said he made giant hailstones come down from heaven. Right? And it said that the hailstones took out more people, more of the enemy than the swords of the soldiers of Joshua's army. 
Like, can you imagine? We're all in hand-to-hand combat, right? Mm-hmm. But the stones know right where to fall. Not on you, honey. You're righteous and holy and blameless. Amen. Amen. I like the little streak there going there. <laughs> can you imagine the precision? Because you imagine your swordman's... Have you ever seen a, like a war scene, a movie scene where there's the war going on, especially in the old days, swords flying everywhere, bodies everywhere, whatever, and those hailstones know exactly where to hit. Now, it's beautiful because they're running out of light. Joshua did what Jesus did. <laughs> He commanded nature. Joshua said, sun stand still, moon don't move an inch. And it it, it listened to him. Why? You know, I don't know if, I, I haven't found it to not be true. If anybody can find it to be true, let me know. But I was taught and I tried to find, the only thing I can come up with is he allowed himself to be deceived. Was that sin? I don't know. He allowed himself to be deceived. But what I was taught was, Joshua, there's not a sin recorded against him. So in other words, as far as the covenant, he walked in total obedience to that covenant. And because of that, his enemies couldn't stand before him. Because of that, he commanded the sun and the moon to stand still. Because of that, he was blessing all he did. God was with him just like he was with Moses. Why? Covenant. The power of a covenant. That, that covenant was so powerful that it went to David's age 400 years later. When, 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 uh, when Saul tried to destroy all the Gibeonites. That's amazing. God, you know, Gibeon made a covenant with Joshua. But because Joshua was in covenant with God, Gibeon was now in covenant with God. That's powerful right there. And I'm going to tell you why, amongst other things. And that's why God had to fight for Gibeon. David didn't understand. But once David was told, then David knew. Why? Because David knew the power of a covenant. Covenants are powerful. You don't have to worry about your authority. You don't have to worry about Nothing. Just when you're in the covenant, you've got all those promises. You're the head. You're not the tail. You are above. You are blessed coming in, blessed coming out, blessed in the city, blessed in the country. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Your enemies are going to come at you one way, and they're going to flee from you seven ways. So here's Jesus. He is under covenant. He is living in the covenant. Because of that, he had all the promises of that covenant. And you see, he walked in them all. He walked in every single one of them. Why couldn't they touch him? You you can't can't touch me. That was pretty cool in The Chosen when I was watching that. He's trying to get the, the guys, he's trying to get the boys to calm down. He, and I think he even said, don't worry about it, guys. They can't touch me. They didn't even understand. That's how ignorant they were to God's covenant. Because if they weren't ignorant to God's covenant, 
they would know that their rabbi, their teacher, adhered to every part of the law, never denied any part of the law, and so their law says, you know, how does it say again? It might come at you one way, but they're going to flee seven ways. They can't touch me, guys. They didn't even know that. They sat there in the boat. Come on, guys. Didn't you read the story about Joshua? Because he was under covenant with God. Didn't you read that story? Did you miss that story in Sunday school? So, you know, even they're going to sit there and they're going to say, whoa, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? You know what? Yes, he was the son of God. Didn't do anything with his godly powers. Yeah, he was anointed. But more than that, we missed the picture of the fact that he was under covenant. Look at Joshua. Did Joshua, was he filled with the Holy Spirit? Was he led by the Holy Spirit? Was he baptized by the Holy Spirit? No. Why was he able to do that? Covenant. Jesus showed us in his earth walk the power of a covenant. The power of covenant. And the greatest covenant we can have is our covenant with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to make a little side note now. The second greatest covenant we can have is what? Marriage. Marriage is the most honorable covenant outside of our covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And this tells you the power of a covenant. And the reason why I guess I'm bringing this up is because it was, it was a question that was given. And the question was basically, you know, I am a, I'm going to, you know, college, and I'm involved with college, and, you know, I, I want to do so much, and, and my husband, he told me he wants me to give it up, and he wants me to stop, because it's interfering with our relationship. What should I do? I know what Pastor Lenny would tell her to do. Or tell him to do. Tell him to do. Leave the college. But this wasn't the answer they got. The answer they got was, well, when Moses was called, Moses, you know, left Zipporah beside, you know, behind. So sometimes you got to leave. You just, you, no, I don't, no. So Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 teaches about the, the power of a covenant which is so amazing because it, he talks about a believing spouse and an unbelieving spouse. A believing spouse and an unbelieving spouse. The believing spouse is under covenant. The unbelieving spouse is not under covenant. Okay? And, uh, and that covenant is so powerful that he goes on to say that the believing spouse sanctifies the unbelieving spouse. The believing spouse sanctifies the unbelieving spouse. Why? Because of the power of covenant. It goes on to further say that the believing spouse or the believing parent sanctifies the children. And when you look at that, and when you look at the Gibeonites and, and Joshua and, 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 and God and Abraham and Lot, and I'm so glad that, that Rick brought that up, and you look at that and you look at the power of covenants, you can understand what Paul is talking about there. And so, the thing was, in this covenant, that's the greatest covenant of all, my answer was my answer because that man, that and it doesn't even say he was an unbelieving spouse. Mm -hmm. 
It's just said he's interfering, it's interfering with our relationship. That's all it said. But even if it was an unbelieving spouse, the question was, the question wasn't, what do you do? He's asking me to denounce Jesus Christ as my Savior. He's asking me to walk away from my, my Christian beliefs or my Christian, my, my, my Christian foundations. My, he's asking me, you know, to, to not serve Jesus Christ anymore. That wasn't what he said. That's not what he asked. So because of that, quit school. Whether it's the wife or whether it's the husband, it doesn't matter. The second greatest covenant we can have is with our spouse. And once we understand what the Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. And once, you know, a woman, right? You know what it says in the, you know what it says. I'm not going to, I'm not up here being no chauvinist, whatever. Who's the head of the family? God. Then he put the husband there. You know, I would never go as far as to be like Sarah and call how Sarah called Abraham Lord, whatever. Don't, don't go there. Be like Sarah. But there is an order of authority that God has put in place. And I believe that if you are under covenant, if I'm under covenant and my wife isn't under covenant, I full well believe that because of our covenant and because I'm a believer in my covenant with God, and if I love my wife as Christ loved the church, I'm not going to have a lot of. Ch- I'm not going to have as many challenges as someone that's not in that position. And I also believe if my wife was a believer and in covenant with God, and I wasn't the unbeliever, if she treated me like, you know, like listen, I follow God, and you you don't follow God, so I'm not going to follow. You know how that can happen, right? Come on, you know how that can happen. In, you know, but if like, hey, you know what? I follow God. And because I, because I follow God, I'll follow you. Not asking, not asking me to denounce my Christianity. Not, not asking me to denounce my, my relationship with Jesus Christ. Not asking me to go work the streets and bring money home. No, he's not asking me, you know. The power of a covenant. And I believe that when you stand in your covenant... And you trust God with that number one covenant, the number two covenant, I believe, is going to have his blessing. Without a shadow of a doubt, I believe it. Because that's the power of covenant. That's the power of covenant. And I am full well of the, of the mindset that God can speak to the spouse. The unbeliever, the believer. And sometimes it's the believer that needs the speaking to so that's the power of a covenant. So now when you look at Jesus walking this earth, he walked in the fullness of that covenant that he was in. And so, you know, the Lord has me for the last three weeks. You know what? You can't read something about the covenant and think, oh, I understand the covenant. You can't do it. You can't take one hour Bible class, Bible course on covenants and think you know all about the covenant. You need, to, you need to, get, to have the Holy Spirit take into this word and see, and see, and see, and see. You know, this is what Paul said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What is Paul saying? I'm not ashamed, right, 
of the covenant of grace. This is what Paul, Paul is saying. For the covenant of grace, your covenant of grace, your covenant of grace is the power of God for everything. Everything we're looking for, everything we want. Within that, lie, it's, it all lies in the covenant of grace. And the covenant of grace, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For in it lies the power, the dunamis, the dynamite, the dynamic, explosive power of God for salvation. Salvation. Everything we need. Everything we need. Everything we need. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. To all who believe. For therein lies what? The righteousness of God. So you realize that the gospel of grace, the covenant of grace, which produces righteousness, that right there gets us everything, is the key for everything. You know, it's just like when I was on the way here with Lori, I'm like, man, I'm sitting in my, I like my truck. I like my F-150, you know, I really do. If you've never driven a truck before, you're missing out. <laughs> Once you drive a truck, you can't go back. I'm sorry. You just can't go back. When I sit in my wife's car, and I actually think it was comfortable before I got my truck, it feels like I'm in a go-kart. <laughs> it feels like I'm in a go-kart. But now when I'm in that truck, I'm like, oh, man. It's like I, it's like I took the living room sofa, for, you know, sofa with me, and I have a steering wheel attached, and I'm, I'm, I'm driving. It's just so comfortable. I could drive for hours and hours, and in fact, we do. I used to drive to, we used to drive to South Carolina, and visit, uh, you know, uh, my mother and father-in-law. And I remember when we had uh, a, um, an Elantra, a Hyundai Elantra. Oh, man. And we used to get there. We used to be, oh, man. Oh, oh. And now, and, and we used to stop. And we started, I could get in the truck, and I'm like, we're here already? You know, I could keep going. It's just, it's so nice. It's, well, anyway, I'm in that truck, right? And it's got the power windows. You know, you get the power windows. That's one feature. Right? Power windows. Hit one button down, one button up. Right? I can I click this. I click the side, uh, the side thing, and I can, I, can, I can turn the features of the transmission. I can make it energy efficient where it gets the best gas mileage. I can put it in sport mode, like when I'm in the highway, oh, and it just revs up the engine and the RPMs so that as soon as you touch the gas, it's, you know, it's like a rocket ship, so you're in and out of the traffic. And I can put it in regular mode. I can put it in the mode for what? It's, it's got beautiful fe features there. If I'm towing something, that, yeah, it, it's got the, the window just for, just for the tow, and I can press the button, and the thing goes up and down. And so you don't even have to get out of the car, out of the truck, and, and line it up. Mm -hmm. You know, it's got lumbar support for my back. When it's hot out, I got cool air. All these different features, right? All these different benefits. And we're, and we're trying to study the benefits and, and how to get one benefit and how to, how to get really good at one thing. None of it works. None of it worked until I took out the key. <laughs> that key runs everything. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And you know what runs everything that we're trying to study up on and become good at? Covenant. Mm -hmm. Covenant. Covenant. So, I'm going to start a teaching. This is just the introduction. 
to the better covenant. Better covenant theology. And on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, we're going to have some worship and praise. And this is not going to be on Facebook, so you'll never catch it on Facebook. It'll be on our, it'll be on our website, uh, live stream. It'll be on Roku. And it'll be, uh, there'll be Zoom, uh, Zoom invitations for people that want to become a part of it. I'm going to be doing a series of teachings from a book the Lord has led me to. And I let the Lord lead me. I really do. I don't know if Rick's heard of this book, but it's called uh, Understanding the Whole Bible by Jonathan Welton. I'm going to be going through that. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I'm telling you, we are missing out a lot. And I'm, I, I, I had a questions. I had a question and answer session with one of my, one of my bros from Colorado. Okay. And, and I, I, I said, is the, re- you know, is the reason why we don't teach about, you know, end times and, you know, uh, or the rapture or um, what's the other word that uh, everybody's uh, eschatology, eschatology uh, the great tribulation, you know, is be, you know, it's because we're not dispensationalists and because we, we believe in a better college. He's like, what are you talking about? Because I remember when I was in Bible college back in 1979, 80, we had a big, thick book like this on systematic theology by uh, Strong, Augustus Strong, and we learned all about dispensationalism. How many of you don't know anything about dispensationalism? Good, 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 good. But I tell you what, I lived under dispensationalism for, for the longest time, and I lived in a lot of fear. You know, I lived in, I lived in, in, in fear of the rapture. I, I wasn't looking forward to, to the rapture. If there was a rapture, right? If there's going to be a rapture, we're going to learn about this, okay? I'm not saying there is. I'm not saying there isn't. We're going to learn about it, and you're going to make your own decision, okay? But I lived in the fear of the rapture if there was a rapture. Why? Oh, because of the, te- the teaching of the ten virgin, the, 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 the what, what was it, five wise and five foolish? Or was it ten wise and ten foolish? And the ones that had their lamps ready? They had them filled with oil because they were waiting. They were making themselves ready and dressed for the for the bridegroom that was coming. And you know the other the other what bridesmaids whatever they they, were, they didn't have any oil in their lamp. You know they were just hum humdrum Christians. You know just going through life. They quesera sera doorste Christians. You know <laughs> whatever will be will be. The future's not ours to see. Quesera and then all of a sudden. Here he comes. Here we go. Oh, give us some of your own. Nope, go get your own. Whoop, boom, they left. Yeah. <laughs> They're gone. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm left behind. Because I knew, listen, how could I make myself ready? How could I become one of those, those ten wise brides? If I'm a sinner, just say, by grace, I'm a sinner. I'm nothing but a sinner. I'm just a sinner. That conflict was in it. I'm just a sinner. I'm not going to make the first wave. Oh, Hopefully I'll make the second wave before the great tribulation. You know, I'll get my act together. You know, he'll take Lori with the first wave because she's so much better than I am. <laughs> you know, and, and then I, I'll have to get my, my, myself in order and I'll I put my act, to, get my act together. You know, get back under those 10 and 613 and, and try to do my best and hope and pray that after three and a half years I can make the next wave. I'm like... 
oh God, I have to make the next wave because I don't want to live in the great tribulation. I don't want to live in that great tribulation. I don't want to be forced and put a mark on my head, six, six. I don't want, I, Lord, what am I going to do? Because I, I might take the mark because I'm afraid. I'm afraid, cat. You know, if I'm for that guillotine and my head's, right, Rick, this is how we grew up, right? Uh, if I see, if I'm sitting there, if I'm standing, I'm next in line, and all of a sudden, boom, Rick's head just starts falling, and I'm like, I'm not, no, give me the mark. And then they put a mark, I'm saying, Jesus, you know, I love you. I, I just love you. I love you, Lord. I, I lived in fear, man. Perfect love casts out all fear. And the right covenant takes care of it, too. And the right biblical belief takes care of everything. You won't have no you won't have any questions. What does it mean, you know? Where Jesus says the sign that read 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 Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 11, I believe it is, and Luke chapter 21, where Jesus is talking about the end of times. The end of times. What those end of times were, what those end of times are. See, because we don't know, we don't un have any understanding, or we have the wrong understanding of eschatology or covenant. We live in confusion. We live in a mixture. We live without the power. We're trying to get the power. You know, we're trying to walk in the authority. I'm going to tell you something. The power, the authority, everything is in the covenant. Amen? Amen? So we're going to be talking about the covenant. These are some of the things we're going to be talking about. Jesus' Jesus' birth fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant. This is the better covenant. Jesus' death created the new covenant. The new covenant is between the Father and the Son. We enter it into it with faith in Jesus. Jesus' ascension and enthronement in heaven fulfilled the Davidic kingdom promises. This is five. This is where people just don't understand. They don't get. Man. I didn't get for 35 years. The destruction of A.D. 70 removed the old covenant permanently and fulfilled Hebrews 8.13. In speaking of a new covenant, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and growing old will soon disappear. Number six, between the cross and A.D. 70, I didn't, you know, I'm understanding this more fully now, there existed a 40-year covenant transition for the church, and it was in this transition that people still adhere to the law and believing in Jesus Christ. But after A.D. 70, there's no more transition. There's only one more, there's only one covenant. And so because of this confusion and this under, misunderstanding, people live in mixture. They live in, yeah, I'm saved by grace, but I still have to do. All right? We're going to talk about that. During the transition period, the old covenant and the new covenant coexisted. That 40-year period between the cross and between A.D. 70, when the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was, fell under siege. We're going to talk about the end of the age and the last days were first century references to the last days of the Old Covenant and the end of the Old Covenant age. Number, number nine, we're going to learn no application of the Mosaic kinship, kin, kinship vassal covenant remains. Feasts, Sabbaths, civil laws, ceremonial laws, moral laws are all done away with. We're going to learn, Paul says that in, in Galatians. And number ten, the law of the New Covenant is... What is the law of our new covenant? It's love one another as I have loved you. We're going to talk about these 10 things that are defining characteristics of our better covenant. And once you understand the better covenant, that the old is waxed away, the old is gone, what these things in Scripture mean, you'll be able to walk in the confidence and the fullness of your covenant. 
And once you understand your covenant and you walk in the fullness of your covenant, it's like the attorney going to law knowing that it's a slam dunk case. Slam dunk case. Why? The law. The covenant. The covenant. The covenant spells everything out. There's no ifs, ands, buts, maybes, anything in between. Covenant spells it out. Period. And on top of that, okay, let's look at the, pre the, the precedents that have been set. They all verify the covenant. So it's a slam dunk case. You go before God with your covenant, you say, by his stripes I was healed. By covenant I'm healed. D no faith. No belief. No, you know, I don't even have to have faith. I don't even have to believe. I would say, God, you're a righteous judge. You're a righteous judge. You rule righteously. You rule in holiness. You don't rule in fairness. God, God is not fair. God is just. And as a just God, you rule in justice. This covenant I'm in says, I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. That's when my cough went away. That's when I was able to sleep at night. These things that are coming, you know. I had little glimpses of different things in Scripture that, that, that brought victory and brought healing. But now once I understand the covenant and gain more and more understanding of my covenant, I'll walk into the court of law just like that attorney who knows. Nothing can stand against me. The covenant is completely on my side. The enemy can't stand against me. And the judge will always rule according to covenant. He has to. Now, of course I have faith. I have more faith than before. Why? Because this covenant springs forth faith from within. Mm -hmm. And because of this covenant, is all because, because Jesus Christ. I'm learning about Jesus Christ. And what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing about the Christ. So when you're hearing about the covenant, you're hearing about the Christ of the covenant. How the covenant was forged, how the covenant was made. And like Paul says, faith springs forth. Faith is birth. So just by knowing your covenant, you're going to take care of everything. Just by staying in covenant, you're going to take care of everything. So, I, I mean, I, I, it's not much of a message. It's just like an introduction. I hope it's wet and I hope it's like that. How do you get a horse to, to drink water, put salt in his oats, right? I just hope it's salt in the oats so you want to know more. You want to know more because we want to walk in the confidence of our covenant. Period. Just like Jesus did. You can't touch this. It's not about, I did good enough. Do you, do you know, the first covenant had a loophole. My son's a lawyer. Right? He says, Dad, most of the people that I work with, you know, multi-million dollar deals, they both want the same thing. They're both friendly towards each other. So they're not concerned about loopholes because... They both brought what they want to bring to the table and they're both happy, you know, whatever it is, something that they don't want to get out of. But he said, sometimes I'm with two parties that are antagonistic with each other and I'm working for my client, client and I got to go through that and find out if there's a loophole that could give them an escape. You see, in the old covenant, God gave them a loophole. 
gave them a loophole. That was the sacrificial system. They couldn't even keep that. There was so much fault within them, they couldn't even keep, even though God gave them their own loophole. And then Jesus came and gave them an escape clause. He gave us all. He gave the world the escape clause. And that's if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. We died with him. We were buried with him. We were raised to newness of life with him. That was our escape clause. Death and dying to the old. And being raised in newness of life to the new. So we're going to we're going to learn some good stuff. Amen. Me with you. Amen? How many? Anybody excited? Yeah, woo! Woo! Yeah. Father, we thank you that as we learn the truth of your word, that we can understand what Paul says. Therefore, stand in the freedom by which Christ has made you free and no longer find yourselves entangled to a yoke of bondage. And he who the Son makes free is free indeed. Amen. We can understand these truths. We can understand it, Lord. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all you've given. Father, thank you for Jesus, our escape clause out of the law of sin and of death and our entrance into the law of the spirit of life. We just give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus.